A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, Episode 173. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week on Insight Sunday we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. Welcome to a special Insight Tuesday conversation that continues from Insight Sunday's interview with Brent Freeman. In part one, Brent shared his story of how he became inspired as an entrepreneur and what sparked his passion for social entrepreneurship, as well as how that has been such a core part of his success at Stealth Venture Labs. In part two, today's conversation continues by talking about the tools and tactics that he implements inside Stealth Venture Labs to create dedicated, empowered, high-performing, and passionate teams as part of his social entrepreneurship mission. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a seven-plus-figure business and want to reach the next level for yourself and your business, if you have passions, goals, and dreams, and want to continue to strive as a team, a leader, and a visionary without risking burnout, If you have overcome challenges, developed wisdom, and know that adapting is not just for surviving, but a core part of thriving, then adaptability coaching is for you. With psychology and neuroscience-backed tools, the 3D adaptation framework can show you how to tap into and harness the way our brains are uniquely designed for adaptation. You can learn to harness and leverage adaptability tools and frameworks to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to hone yourself further, to proactively adapt, to thrive, instead of reactively adapting, just to survive. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching. What I love that you do, you take it two steps further. And I hear this all the time. You're just taking it two steps further in everything that you're doing in creating this environment. The two steps further are, let's put it all together in a matrix. Let's put it all together and share it with everybody. And 
when somebody experiences and wants to or feels the impulse to feel appreciation, let's direct them to go there. Let's not so just that, provide so as that, a resource. That's a really important piece right there. If you look at basic human psychology, right, we have a negativity bias. And so negative things that happen feel, you know, 5, 10x heavier and weigh on our mm-hmm. mind and positive. And what we've had to intentionally do over the years is realize that and then counter and balance it intentionally with how we operate. So appreciation languages is the way to say, how do my colleagues feel appreciated? But then we also build into things because we're remote. We do a Monday, Wednesday, Friday stand-up. Monday is kind of an all hands. Here's what's going on in the week, a longer meeting. Then Wednesdays and Fridays are just 30 minutes and it's a get to know you type questions. But at the end of one of those, we do a shout out call outs recognition where it's team peer to peer recognition of what is going on in the week and people they want to recognize. And that works for people that have words of affirmation and things like that as their primary language. But for folks that are more like gifts centered, and that's the way they feel appreciated, we may do things on the back end. We have a Slack bot called Hey Taco, uh, where we give these virtual tacos to people and for recognition inside of Slack saying, hey, two tacos to so-and-so for X, Y, and Z in a channels we call wins. And we're constantly celebrating the wins and what people are doing on a peer-to-peer basis. So we can reinforce Enforce the positive because, you know, in any business, there's a series of challenges and negatives and problem solvings, and that's the nature of business, right? And so we are intentionally do our best to counterbalance that with positive win celebration, recognition, and peer-to-peer kind of call-outs, we call it. Yeah. I mean, again, it's two more steps further, right? And I see how hard you're working to implement that. And it's really clear that that yields massive dividends. I mean, when you talked about the team member satisfaction and it being one out of 10 and your average is 9.5, right? Obviously that's not by chance. It's not just that the people are quote unquote happier people, which by the way, isn't necessarily really the case. There's always a group process contributing to what we're experiencing, whether at work or anywhere else, right? Especially in an environment where we spend so much time and need to interface and work with people. So it's really clear And I think I just can't highlight it enough how much you work really hard and you're intentional about fostering that. I did want to touch though on the negativity bias. What's really interesting about negativity bias, we have a tendency to think that it just has a bigger impact. However, one of the things that I think is really important to recognize is negativity bias is actually, it has two sides to it. One side is we do tend to hold on to it a bit more. But the other side of it is negativity shows up emotions that are negatively valenced. I like to say uncomfortably valenced because I don't think anything's negative. It's all trying to help us. But when there's a negatively valenced emotion, what it's trying to let us know is there's something that's broken, a system, a process, a way that we meet our needs or something in the way that it's happening isn't working well or isn't working for us. And If that doesn't get addressed, well, guess what? We're not going to have the better outcomes for ourselves and potentially whether it's as a team member or for the team or the company, right? In fact, for that reason, negativity needs to be more magnified. And by the way, in my experience, a lot of people try to ignore it or get away from it. And our brains are actually designed to be adaptive. When we experience a negative emotion or an uncomfortable emotion, as I like to say, it's pushing us to address the thing that isn't working well. And a lot of people, because it's uncomfortable, just try to let it slide. And when they let it slide, it's not getting addressed. So, but because it's our adaptive system, that adaptive system says, oh, if I put it at a level two, you ignore it. So what's it going to do? It's going to bump it up to a level four or five, and then you still ignore it. And so it gets bumped up to eight, nine, and 10. And that's where the negativity can get really, really big 
And a lot of people think that that's where or how or why it gets toxic. I think there's a process there that a lot of us are unaware of, which is we have a tendency to try to dismiss it like an irksome fly, or because it's uncomfortable, it's not always easy to address. And there's a big difference between just trying to make it go away and actually tuning into it. And when we tune into it, we address it sooner, which is again, really clear, Brent, that that's what you work so hard to do at your companies to create a space where people can communicate about those things. And you're asking about them. And you talked about it as balancing and counterbalancing by calling people out for the great work that they're doing. Yeah, it's interesting. So a couple of things came to mind as you're talking about it. So if something goes wrong in the business, if we mess something up or something happens or there's an issue or, you know, this is the nature of every business, there's issues that happen, even, you know, restaurants, you send the wrong dish or it's too late or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, right? It's the nature of business. There's a difference between spiking into cortisol to take action, right? Stress which can turn into chronic stress. The refractory period never comes down into normal. And, you know, you stress, EU stress. Mm -hmm. And the good stress that motivates you to action, right? And, oh, crap, I got to get this done. Okay, let's get it done. We get it over the line. And then we, you know, oh, I'm stressed about it. And then it comes back down to normal. Mm -hmm. A good amount of stress in our lives, you stress, as they call it, healthy. But it's the high levels of constant chronic stress that is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So as that relates to how we look at the business, when things uh, happen, problems arise or challenges that we need to solve or too much workload or overwhelmed or broken process, whatever it may be. Okay. How do we help counterbalance that, that initial spike so that it doesn't feel as heavy and that we're also celebrating the win? So psychologically, how do we make it feel like there's a balance between positive and negative? Mm-hmm. And then there's an operational piece to it. Okay. Something broke. What do we need to fix? Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit different. That's like the technicians coming in and saying, okay, what actually happened here? Let's figure out what went wrong. We run off of a, a fire drill framework or kind of like what I, it's kind of like an ER framework. You mm-hmm. know, if somebody comes into the emergency room and they got a gunshot wound. The doctors don't care how it happened. Mm-hmm. Right? All they care about is stabilizing the patient, solving the problem, mm-hmm. and making sure that situation is stabilized. And then there's a whole other team of people who figure out what happened, why it happened, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of run a similar thing where there's an issue. We go into ER mode. Let's stop the bleeding. Let's make sure there's no other bigger issues. It's not a bigger problem. Great. Stabilize the situation. Then let's go in and figure out what went wrong, what happened, and how do we fix it? Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, even though that might have happened, we're still using these like win celebrations and the appreciation recognition. And one of our core values is playfulness, which keeps it light. At the end of the day, like we're doing digital marketing as our core business, right? Like it's digital marketing, guys, right? And so like there's problems and we can solve them. And let's mm-hmm. not take this, you know, let's not get too heady about this. Let's solve it rationally and let's be on it. But let's also make sure that we enjoy the journey. So it is a little bit of both. There's an operational piece to negativity of like, what problems do we need to solve and how do we do it? And that's a really positive thing because in e-commerce, when a customer complains and lots of customers complain about something, oftentimes people go like, oh, customers, there's so many. No, they're doing you a favor. They're letting you know there's a problem that needs to be fixed. Yeah, exactly. And if I can just connect those two pieces, people think that there is a type of stress that's good and a type of stress that's bad. And as it turns out, it's a lot more connected to how we relate to that stress. So some people consistently get stuck in a cycle of stress. And what frequently happens is they're so enveloped by that, that they're not addressing the operational pieces. The connection you made, I think is really beautiful, which is, you know, when a customer, you have consistently customers complaining about something, a lot of people can look at that and say, customers are really negative or they're really difficult. 
And that's one way of thinking about it. That's your relationship with the complaints. That's really about your mindset about the complaints. Whereas another way of looking at it is to understand that when someone is sharing a complaint, what they're actually doing is communicating information and they're actually providing you direction and they can help drive your business better. If you really know that happens is the emotional Mm -hmm. spike and the emotional spike and reactivity versus response Right. And when in business, specifically when we react negatively to a situation, we are emotionally responding to something that really needs more of a technical outlay. When I look at things like what you just said, it reminds me a lot of everyday psychological life of an everyday human in terms of my own relationship to meditation. And my own practice that over the last five years has really grown from five minutes a day to oftentimes, you know, 60 to 90. Hmm. And what I have seen in my own personal journey, I can relate also to what's happened in the company is that my reactivity has gone down and my ability to note and separate Hmm. motion from my core state or fragment from my core Hmm. self, right? And be able to, oh, that's interesting. That's frustration. I'm not a frustrated person. I'm feeling frustration. Mm -hmm. And when you apply that to business, you say, oh, we are not a broken business. We have a broken process, Mm -hmm. right? It becomes interesting because you remove the emotion and you can start managing systems. And that's really where things start to break out in a positive way for most entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. because you can start really responding to situations appropriately Mm -hmm. versus reacting. And so that's, you know, yeah. I'm hearing that for you, what you've gained really out of this meditation and the way you think about the process differently, which has been so helpful, is depersonalizing it, not making it about the business being broken, but about a process, not making it about you are a frustrated person, but rather you are a person who's experiencing frustration and how powerful and empowering it is. And I'm going to link this to something, which is the frustration is there to tell you that there's something that's getting in your way. The frustration is not there to just knock you off your horse. If that's what its job was, then we would all be constantly getting knocked off our horses. And as it turns out, frustration actually most of the time is helpful. Sometimes, and for some people, they don't really know how to harness or handle that. That's the reactivity. The problem with the frustration is going back to what we talked about with the chronic state of stress and cortisol Mm -hmm. is when the refractory period or the frequency in which frustration happens is too condensed or too long. If the refractory Mm -hmm. period, we never come down off of that or we never fix the problem. Like in the business, Uh we keep having the same problem again and again, and we don't fix it. It's a big problem for the health of the business. And the same is true in our personal life. If the stress is continuously happening there and we never get back down into neutral. And in our business, we're marketers. And so we have to really be creative and we have to think analytically. And your beta brainwaves and you're in that high beta range, that's not a time to build. That's not a time to be creative. That's not a time to think critically. You're in analysis paralysis. You're in a fight or Mm -hmm. flight mode on that. Going back, tying it into your question on social enterprise, For me, I have always been really passionate about creating a workplace where people love to work, that takes care of people, that achieves high level of professional success. And I've been somewhat agnostic of what type of business that is. Hmm. I have things that I like more than others and things that I'm attracted to. But, you know, I've done a gamut from tech VC backed business to commodities trading, to service business, to e-com, right? And everything kind of in between. I really think for me, the passion is centered around 
how do we help make a difference in people's lives? Because if you think about, we have about 50 employees now. If you think about the ripple effect that that has in their families and in their happiness and then their child, you know, a lot of our staff have kids in their kids' mm-hmm. lives, right? That's the legacy piece of what I want to, that's the impact I want to make on this world. Yeah. And there's such a powerful piece there because I remember, and what you were saying earlier is that we spend more time at work than we do with our families. And that's so much the case that oftentimes the way things play out at work is we bring a lot of our family dynamics into it and it play out like a big family. Oh, well, it's, it could be a small family. It can be a big family, or it can be, you know, a massive hierarchically organized system of a family, whatever that is, we're absolutely bringing that in. And again, it's so clear how intentional you are about that and how much you care for your stealth venture labs family, because that's who they are to you. Yeah, they are a family and we're really proud of what we've built and what we're building. And I view everything that we've done thus far as we're just getting started. And so this is our effort over the course of the next five, 10 years plus here is really to focus on how do we not just do this ourselves, but help inspire others to do it similarly. And I think for a lot of times, and this is, you know, your center of bullseye area, the the separation of kind of the church and state of psychology versus business, so to speak, has been too great. And, you know, the way that we are looking at the business world is how do we integrate psychology into everything that we do? Mm-hmm. We do it in how we do our marketing. We do a reverse engineering of the psychological process of our potential customer archetypes. And, you know, that we have a process internally at Stealth called Adlightenment, which is just, it's all a psychological process of content and copy and campaign mm-hmm. creation and all of that rooted in understanding our customers and how they operate all the way through to saying, you know, what's going on in this individual team member's psychology that might be mm-hmm. causing struggle at work. Now, it's not our job to diagnose them, but we are aware that we're humans and there are mm-hmm. other factors outside of this. For me, one of the things that I recognized that was a dynamic in the first kind of first half of this company was understanding my own psychological attachment trauma as a child. My mom passed away from cancer when I was six years old, and that creates more of an insecure fear of abandonment, psychological wounding that plays out in different ways in my life. And what I realized is that as a service provider, I was being slightly triggered every time a client either rolled off or mm. graduated or fired us or whatever, you know, might have been, or we've had to let go of a few clients in the, as well. And that was a big realization for me early on to say, wow, okay, there is something deeper going on in running a business than just the business of running a business. Mm-hmm. And I think as founders, as entrepreneurs, and you know, as the visionaries, we are told so much that we have to have all of our shit together and that we need to lead and we need to be the fearless leader to lead our troops mm-hmm. into battle. When in reality, we are humans going through a tremendous amount of stress and mm-hmm. really needing more and more support that what the challenges that we are coming up against are we're not alone, you know, yeah. 60% of entrepreneurs say it's about 60, 65% of entrepreneurs have clinical depression. Mm. And that's not a small statistic. It's about 20% of the United States population, about 60% of entrepreneurs have some sort of depression. And when you think about how that gets suppressed in the work environment, right? And how it can come out in policies and procedures and practices and temperaments or, mm-hmm. you know, arguments and all of that kind of stuff. We start to see and understand why for so many years, we've had these work environments that have been tyrannical and unhealthy and, you know, mm-hmm. burnout focused and all of that. 
And so my approach to this entrepreneurial endeavor has been, how do I lead with my heart? How do we create heart-centered practices? How do we be honest and vulnerable about what's actually going on and still be a strong leader? Yeah, it's heart-centered. It's human-centered. How do you treat yourself and how do you treat everybody at your company like a human, not just as a cog? I remember you were talking a little bit before about that cog piece that we're not just cogs. And this is another way in which we're not. Exactly. Yeah, I wish we had more time. We're going to need to jump straight into a really quick lightning couch round and then we got to wrap it up for today. So yeah, first in your experience, does growth happen in quantum leaps or small increments? Both. The answer is yes. <laughs> I think the small increments compounded daily create quantum leaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next, is innate talent or skill development more important in business? Skill development. You need to have some ability to come technically savvy to your job. We only hire tenured folk, but coachability, adaptability, and growth mindset is absolutely fundamentally critical because we don't hire people for what they have done. We hire people for what they're going to go do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Next, what type of content have you been consuming lately and how do you like to consume it? Whether it's for business or pleasure or anything else? Yeah. So I read about three to four books a month, but being a entrepreneur with no time, tons of things going on, ADD and partial dyslexia, I listen to them on Audible and I listen to them at 3x speed while I walk the dog or you know do something active because when you're being active and kinetic, you can actually take in that information at that speed. And so all my books that I read are, are nonfiction in the morning and they're kind of like my pregame warmup before I start my day. And the one that I most recently read that I loved, it's called Letting Go. And I forget the author, but it's all about how to let go <laughs> and how to have things feel less heavy. And it's a, I think it's a really important skill set that I'm actively working on both in work and personally. Yeah, amazing. Next question, what is or are any non-negotiables in your life, whether that's routines, values, time you protect? A non-negotiable for me is a growth mindset and personal or professional, I have to be constantly sharpening that saw. A non-negotiable is uh, respect and, you know, and heart-centeredness, meaning anybody who is catty or, you know, weaponizes their, you know, words or whatever it may be, there's no space and time for any of that. Non-negotiables are negative mindset. Somebody who is negative or consumed by the news constantly and in that, it's just, it's toxic for me and my orbit. And so agenda, I tend to kind of censor those things out of my life. And then I think lastly, non-negotiables are just laughing, playfulness. There is no end, right? It doesn't matter if you sell your company or don't. There is no end to what we're doing. And so we need to enjoy the journey and enjoy the process and laugh as we go. And so those are some non-negotiables as well as Italy. That for me is non-negotiable. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. And last, where and how can people find and connect with you and or Stealth Venture Labs and perhaps what kind of outreach is welcome versus if there is any kind of outreach that may not be so welcome? Yeah, awesome. So stealthventurelabs.com is our site. We're also on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well. My personal website is brentfreeman.me. And there you can find some of my publications on Inc. and Entrepreneur, as well as how to contact me for any speaking events. 
We're going to be rolling out a lot more public speaking and motivational speaking events on certain things like remote culture and work environment and that kind of stuff and business practices, but also on my story of rediscovering joy in my 30s of going through some dark times and then coming out of it and building a method and framework where I every day invest in things that bring me joy. And that's that daily incremental compounding effect that creates quantum growth. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for joining, for sharing your thoughts, your wisdom when it comes to entrepreneurship, the mindset that you shared today about social entrepreneurship and taking care of people, the connection between psychology and business and psychology and work and how important it is not to separate them out. I mean, it's so incredible to see how intentional you are, how much you care for Stealth Venture Labs and everybody who's in it, the team, like it's your family and how intentional you are that social entrepreneurship is not just outside in, it's inside out. And thank you so much for sharing. I mean, there's so many things we talked about. We talked about emotional intelligence. We talked about non-reactivity and meditation. We talked about how depression shows up in entrepreneurship and how sometimes, and in the way that we respond to it, versus react to it, it can make a really big difference and how reactivity can really get in the way and how much impact that has, especially in the position of leadership, not just for yourself, but for everybody who works in your teams and also for the company and its outcomes and in the quality of experience that you have, that the leadership has, that the teams have, and that you experience in your own life. I really appreciate, and it comes through how important it is for you to be able to care that much and also to be able to enjoy it for it, not just to be work, 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 right? Not that chronic stress, but really for it to be a process that in it is enjoyable, is meaningful. So thank you so, so much for that and more. I really cannot wait to dive into more and dig more into your lessons learned on Story Tuesday. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 